Boys and girls, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you'll know that we have forgotten to do something in our service that we have been doing every week for the last three weeks, and it would be a shame to forget to do it on the last week of all. Does anyone remember what we've forgotten to do? Yeah. We've forgotten to light the candle. So today we're going to take just a couple of minutes to do that. If you remember, why are we lighting the candles? What's the name of the season of the year that we've been remembering? And there is a clue behind me for anyone who can read. Peter, Advent, brilliant. Haven't we been remembering for the last three Sundays and then today, the four Sundays before Christmas, we have been celebrating Advent and we've been doing that by lighting a candle together. But we've been learning wee things every week as well about why Jesus came into the world. Let me remind you. The first week we had an apple. Does anybody remember why we had an apple? What was the point of having an apple? Charlie? It reminds us, doesn't it, of, that's right, of sin. Adam and Eve in the garden. And we remember that Eve and Adam as well, both ate an apple from the tree that God had warned them not to. So Adam and Eve sinned, and so do all of us. We all do things that we shouldn't do. So that's why Jesus came into the world, to save us and to forgive us our sins. So that was what we learned the first week. Does anyone remember what we did the second week? Now, I think the boys in particular will want to tell me all about this. Boys, what's this? No, I think, okay, maybe, maybe I'll ask a Yeah, Aaron? It's a heart. Brilliant. And what, what does a heart usually mean? If you get a card with a heart on it, or somebody writes you a wee note with a heart on it, I've been told, I, I've never got one of these, but um, I've been told, yeah, Vanessa, what does that mean? I love you. Isn't that what it means? So the second week we remembered, Jesus came into the world because God loves us. So he came to forgive us our sin, to, to be with us because he loves us. And Philip's lighting these candles for me here. This is brilliant. I don't even have to prompt him. Now, boys and girls, with a lovely picture here of the Mills family. I can't tell what year this is. I'm just trying to work it out. Um, Stanley, around about when, when would this, this photograph have been, do you think? About, about 30 years ago. Lovely family photograph here. It is, it's a great photograph. I think it's lovely. Boys and girls, can you remember why we brought in a family photograph? That was last Sunday. And it's partly to do with why Jesus came. Does anybody remember to do with family? Alexander? It's gone, is it? I remember that feeling. Well, I've forgotten it now, but I, I do. Anybody remember why we have a family photograph? Isn't it because we learned last week, Jesus came so that each one of us could be in God's family. Isn't that what we learned? So that's what we learned last week. Well, boys and girls, we couldn't not light our fourth candle today. We've been waiting for weeks to light this. By the way, I better tell you something about all of these candles that I forgot to tell you the first week. Did you notice what color the candles are? Can you see from there? Yes, Aaron? They're purple. That's on purpose. 
It's not just because the purple candles were the cheapest in the shop or anything like that. They're purple because they remind us of royalty. Quite often a king or a prince will wear purple to show that they're royal. They're a member of a royal family. We want to remember today that Jesus is part of a royal family in particular. I've brought something with me today, our heart reminder for today. Does, can anybody see what this is? Somebody who hasn't answered yet. Natalia, it's a crown and you've got a lovely crown on too. This is a crown and we're going to put this crown up here to remind us that Jesus, when he came, was a king. Now, boys and girls, you might think that's strange because where, you remember, where was Jesus born? Yeah, he was born in Bethlehem and wasn't he born in, in among all the animals? It wasn't really the kind of place you'd expect a king to be born. But we've just read a story together about the wise men. David read that for us. And the wise men, they knew that Jesus was the king. Because you know what they did? They brought along with them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Those are the kind of gifts you would only ever give to a king. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked the question, where is the new king born? You see, they knew that even though Jesus was only a baby, they knew that he was a king. Boys and girls, I want to spend the last couple of minutes today telling you a story. But it's a story for everyone, and it's about a king. Once upon a time, there was a king. And the king fell in love with a beautiful girl. It was the talk of the whole land, especially when people discovered that the girl whom the king had fallen in love with was poor, that she was a commoner. She was the daughter of a weaver. The people were all talking and they said, what a wonderful man the king is. Most people, when they choose to fall in love, look for somebody who's their equal, somebody who's their equal to fall in love with. But the king has found this, this common girl and he's poured his wonderful love on her. He's raised her up and made her his equal. What a gracious man the king is. What a wonderful love this is. The king, however, was heartbroken. While everyone in the land was talking about what a wonderful man he was and how kind his love was, he was tormented in his thoughts. He wondered, would this girl ever know how much he loved her? Even if they were married and were married for years, would she ever forget that he was a king and that she used to be a peasant? If she didn't forget, she'd always have her doubts about whether the king really loved her at all. She'd wonder also whether she really loved him or whether she was simply overwhelmed by his power and his wealth. The king was troubled and he came to the conclusion that it would be better if he didn't have anything more to do with the peasant girl. It would be better if he stopped going to see her. It would be better if he stayed in his palace and she stayed in her village. 
And that's exactly what the king did. From that time on, he stopped going to see the weaver's daughter. A long time later, a stranger arrived in the village where the weaver's daughter lived. He was a poor man, very scruffy. He hired out a a tumble-down shack on the edge of the village, and he moved in there, and he rented himself out to anyone who needed help on their farms. At first, the people were very suspicious of him because they didn't have many strangers in their community. But as the time went by, the weeks became months and years. Eventually, they accepted him as one of them. They noticed how hard he worked on the farm. Unlike all the other hired help, he really put in a good day's work. They noticed as well how he was kind and good to everyone he met. But they noticed in particular how he was kind and gracious to the weaver's daughter. As people got to know him and got to see these two spend time together and fall in love, the whole village was excited. They were all so happy for these two in the love that they'd found together. Most exciting of all was the news that they were to be married. It wasn't until they were married and later on on their wedding day that the people of the village suddenly realized who this stranger was. It was the king. All this time, the king had been living among them. He had been living in poverty. He had taken on a peasant's job. He had done all of this because he wanted to be among them. He wanted to be with the one he loved. And there was happiness all around. Because now the king could be sure that the girl really loved him. And the girl could be sure of the king's love for her. Boys and girls and and grown-ups too, I noticed one or two were listening. That's a story the Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard told. And he told it as a parable, a kind of an explanation for what God did at Christmas time. God is the king. He has all the power and all the wealth in the universe. All the authority is his. And we're his people. He made us and he loves us. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And the wonderful story of Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, is that God left all that he had, all the privilege and all the power and all the wealth that were his, and he was born as a peasant in Palestine. He did it all to be with us, to declare his love for us. Of course, he he finally declared his undying love for us as he died on a cross outside of Jerusalem, crucified by Roman soldiers. And his love conquered everything, sin and death, as he rose again on the third day. Friends, that is the true meaning of Christmas. There are lots of people here this morning who have already discovered a little of this in their lives. They have recognized 
that there's a king in their universe. They have got to know him and they have responded to him and to his love. They now serve him and follow him. What about you? Have you opened your life to the king? Have you opened your life yet to the astonishing love of God who gave up everything to be with you? It's my prayer that you would this Christmas time and that you discover the real meaning of Christmas. We have a, a course that we're going to run in January time here at Kirkpatrick Memorial called Christianity Explored. And it's a course that would be useful for anyone with whom what I've just said has struck a chord. You realize that you don't yet have a, a living relationship with the God of the universe, the King of love. This course will begin on the 11th of January. It'll run for 10 weeks and it'll give you an opportunity to learn more about what Christian faith really is and to ask questions. I've left a, a pile of invitations to the course on our table in the reception area in the vestibule. Please pick up one of these. Or if you're sure you want to go in the course, feel free to sign up on the, the sign-up sheet out there. We have nearly 20 people at this stage who would like to attend that course. Friends, don't let another Christmas pass without the, the meaning of Christmas, the presence of the loving God becoming a reality in your lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful truth we have just been thinking of, how you left all the glory and power and riches of heaven and were born among us. You were born among us as a common man. Lord, you lived a life much like the life that we live. Lord, thank you that you showed us your love for us as you came close to us. Thank you for showing your love so powerfully and clearly in your death. And Lord, we thank you that you rose again and now welcome us to share life with you. Lord, would you help us this Christmas time to reach out, to reach out with open arms and hands, to receive the wonderful gift that you give to us. The God who so loved the world that he gave his only son, that those who believe in him need not perish, but can have eternal and wonderful life. Lord, help us, each one, to receive that wonderful life today. Amen. We have thought this morning in our service about this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, but we've realized that all is not as it seems. This baby is the king. A lot of our carols pick up on that, although it's a theme we don't have at the front of our minds. The carol writers know that, that Jesus is the king. And in this final one, especially in the final, the third verse and the final one, we see that.